What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with my fantabulous co-host, Grant Hughes. Follow him on Twitter, at GT underscore Hughes. We both worked at Bleach Reporters, you may know, for like 20 years at this point. I think it's more like 10 plus. But anyway, we are here with another over-unders episode. If you've not checked out our Western Conference over-under predictions, do so. That episode is out, which means that we're on to the Eastern Conference. Very briefly, though, I would like to remind you and implore you to subscribe to us wherever you are consuming us. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you haven't checked us out before, like and also comment to help the algorithm love us back. We'd like to continue growing that community. Subscribe to us on our YouTube as well. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe to us via a podcast player. Follow us on the socials. Those are in the podcast description and the YouTube description. And join our Discord, which we're hoping will be a little bit more active now once i one finish these nba team look aheads and then two once the regular season's up and running also if you've not checked out the nba team look aheads as i've said uh the the views and the downloads have been absolutely terrible on them relative to last season i don't know why but they've been fantastic the guests have been great it's good to just get these sort of previews and in-depth looks at where each team is headed and with all that out of the way we asked the only question that anyone actually cares about with regard to this podcast grant how the heck are you doing Today, I'm nervous, Dan. Uh, I didn't enjoy doing the East over-unders as much as the West because I have a lot less confidence in most of them. Uh, so I'm just going to do my best. You know, that's all we can ask is I'm just going to I'm going to give you my best effort. We'll see where we land. Is you you sound like someone who has just resigned to going four and 11. Yeah. On the conference over-unders. yeah, yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, we do not. This is not betting advice for anyone. I did go over 500 for a, a second consecutive year last season in picking them, but I wouldn't endorse anyone making bets off what we say. Uh, I actually do not bet on sports. Do you, Grant? No, uh, it's a sucker's game. The odds makers are too smart, and so I don't do it. That anymore. or you and I are too stupid. Too dumb. Yeah, well, whichever. Either way, <laughs> it doesn't work out well for me either way. Um, let's get for people that are watching on YouTube. It's a fun experience to follow along with, uh, because I'm going to put it up on the screen. How about that? Uh, you'll get to see a peek behind the Google doc and you'll, I, I put some Easter eggs in terms of what the sheets are named in there. If anyone's just looking for those and I've blacked out for anyone watching on YouTube, the, our Western conference picks, go check out that video immediately or that podcast. If you haven't listened to it already, we begin in the East with the Atlanta Hawks. They were at 45 and a half grant. Where did you land on them? I'm over um, just barely about as close as you can be. Um, and I feel bad about it uh, because I just, I think obviously DeJounte Murray should address the defense and secondary ball handling and ease the burden of Trey young and this, that, and the other, it's, you know, you could just go down the list of all the reasons he's helpful. Um, I think they're just a little bit deeper, generally speaking, like Justin holiday and, and for that matter, Aaron holiday are, are quality death pieces um, I think there's a good case to be made that DeAndre Hunter and Onyeka Kongwu could be way better um, than they were last year. And so, you know, then how do you, how do you just narrowly go over? Um, I don't know. I just think, you know, Bogdanovich kind of having more knee stuff throughout the preseason and training camp kind of bothers me because he means a lot to that team. Yeah. Um, I could see Capella slipping. I just, I don't know. I, I'm trying to talk myself into a reason why I didn't go like way over. Um, but we're, we're over. I think the Hawks are, are going to be better. Uh, I just think there's just so much depth in the East that like you could be a significantly better team and your win total might just because of the degree of difficulty, uh, not be that much higher. 
I'm with everything you said, and I actually had them at 46 victories when I went through my re- record projections, and I'll try and remember to show those, or we'll go through our standings predictions at the end, but I, I totally was just so excited to be done with the Western Conference that I just cut us out on that one. Um, I think there's there's real combustibility here. I don't... I, I feel like people are sort of just dismissing that Murray and Trey are going to work on offense. You need either to move Trey Young off the ball more or hope Murray just can, you know cut more or hit more set jumpers. And I will just caution. We don't know if Trey young can work off the ball. I believe that he can. Will he be actually Steph Curry and just pinging around everywhere? I, I doubt it. That being said, if your solution to making this work when they're on the court together is to take the ball out of the hands of your best player more often, there's some value in that, but I, it does make me a little uneasy. The fit makes a ton of sense on defense, but you also kind of wonder, well, how good will they be on defense? A healthy Clint Capella will help a ton. But like DeAndre Hunter has been underwhelming there the past season or two. I mean, he's also struggled with health. Not so much like he struggled with health during his career as well. They've been linked to Jay Crowder. Are you trusting Justin Holiday to give you and really buoy your secondary wing minutes? Um, and if it's not him, you know, are you trusting who? As like you're, as like Jalen Johnson is going to be in the rotation. How big of a role is Onyeka Kongu going to play? I don't think it's bankable that they're a, a ton improved. On, on the defensive end, I could see them sort of fading into just the the abyss of the East in the sense like the middle class is super deep this year and they might be lower than we think. But I, I Trey Young, John Collins still there. Clint Capella still there. He's healthier. The roster makes their top six, top seven guys make so much sense together. And if the Murray-Trey Young offensive question gets answered in the affirmative, we might be looking at a team that could maybe flirt with 50 victories, especially if they wind up crushing opponents during the non-tray minutes, which they got a little bit better in certain lineups last year with those. But now DeJounte Murray, if you're not winning those minutes, it's a problem. Yep. We are on to the Boston Celtics at 53 and a half. Where do you land on the, on Boston Grant? So I'm under on the Celtics and it's kind of like, there's, there's some elements of, of like Phoenix East here um, where I, I feel like I'm discounting, you know, how good this team was a year ago. And this is like a pretty significant fall for them to get all the way under this number. Um, I haven't at 52 wins, um, but like, it, so there's just a couple main issues are if Emma Odoka was such a great coach, which I think he was, I think you can credit him with a lot of the defensive sea change midway through the season. Um, you have to say that him not being there hurts, right? Like you yeah. can't he, either he's great or he's not. And, and if he's not, if he's not there, then that matters. And related is Robert Williams III uh, just never looked right in the finals, had another operation, um, has had now a couple on that knee, and that's a problem to me because he was the key to that defensive change mid-year that totally revamped the, what the Celtics were and lifted their ceiling and all that. So he, he's going to miss time, and then if you get sort of the finals version of him where he's awesome for – like 16 minutes in a game and then doesn't play the next game. And he's awesome for, you know, 20 minutes the next game, but he's off for, you know, a week after that. I just, I don't know. Um, and the, the Gallo torn ACL out for the year. I don't know how much he was really going to matter. Cause I still think, you know, Grant Williams, Al Horford, that's you're okay there. Um, it hurts more with Williams being out frankly too, but yeah. Um, there's just, there's just enough, there's enough points of concern at really key areas. I think that, um, I have some, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cautiously, I don't know. Can you be cautiously pessimistic about, about the Celtics? That's how I feel about them right now. 
I went under as well. I and look, I have them at forty nine wins, which is two fewer than last year. I think the Rob uh, Robert Williams the third injury will make a difference. We're talking about someone who might not play until twenty twenty three. It's probably more of a concern if we're talking about him being limited in the postseason. So I get that. Um, you do have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, the Malcolm Brogdon pickup helps. There's still depth there. But Al Horford's also older and just logged 29 plus minutes a game. Does he have to play more in RW the threes absence? Are you going to more Grant Williams at the five, even though he's not really viewed as a five and hasn't been used a ton like a five there necessarily? Um, and then you're getting into, well, are we relying on Blake Griffin, Noah Vonley, Fiondu Cabangeli? Like, how are you? And, and also they're talking about Celtics fans and the Celtics in general seem incredibly high on Luke Cornett and Sam Hauser. Um, you need to hit on one of these just fringe roster bigs. And then you almost need to hit on Sam Hauser with Gallo out uh, because I think he he helps you alleviate some of what is still a shot creation concern. I think Malcolm Brogdon gives you some of that north-south creativity where he can get going from a standstill on drives. And then, of course, you have Jalen Brown, who shot 41% on step backs, um, almost 60%, I believe, on fadeaway or fallaway jumpers last year. And then you have Jason Tatum, but like, you don't have someone aside from, I guess, Jason Tatum, really, who gives you like the full, you know, circular shot creation where it's east and west and north and south and can be all over the place there. And Gallo gave you some of that. I'm not saying to a degree that you would have felt fine, but sort of in the same vein where Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown would have given you some of that. Um, there was a lot of directionality and foul drawing to Gallinari's game. So I think they wind up missing that, especially with RW the three out. This is a team that feels like it might reach its strongest point during the postseason, which is all that matters. And then just the Ime Udoka stuff, does that cast a pale over the organization, especially if he winds up getting fired rather than suspended because they clearly don't want him there? Um, do we learn more details of his relationship with a staffer? It hasn't been reported yet. I don't think if she was a direct subordinate or not, but the power dynamic was clearly needed to be an issue there. So I'm just saying there's more details to come out and also the fact that it was reported as consensual but then like non-consensual at one point there's no such thing as like a partially consensual that whole the reporting on this was wildly irresponsible and it underscored just how ill-equipped sports media is in general not like even a podcasters like ourselves are to talk about and handle this stuff and we're not i'm not saying we deserve to know all the details um at the same time i don't like people coming out and saying oh if you ever find out all the details this is going to blow your mind that's <laughs> stupid too so I'm, I would be worried about if if the staffer's name comes out, you know, because her safety at risk, what she would have to deal with. And then we already had this, the dumbass social media sleuths trying to figure out which female on the staff it was when a name wasn't tied to this whole thing. My point is, is that it could end up being a midseason storyline because it's such a big deal. And they've suspended him for a year, which is unprecedented. But there's reports saying that they would welcome other teams coming and hiring him. And so that <laughs> screams... We want to get rid of him. We're just not sure if we have the grounds to yeah. yet. And that I'm not saying the players should be impacted by that, but they, they might, it might wear on them if they're answering questions about it, but overall the RW three injury coupled with then all the questions you have up front with Al Gallo and then some of the, you know, Al Horford's age, even though he's still really good. I want to make that clear. Um, it, this was not an easy under for me, but it's like I said, they seem like a team very much built to hit their stride during the playoffs. I, I, I should, I should add, and I, I didn't mention this up front. I, I was comparing them to Phoenix and oh, this is a huge drop when obviously they, they they won fewer games last year than I'm projecting this year. They had the point differential of a 59 win team last year. And the totally. only team, the only team that was better was Phoenix. So they had some luck issues. And all, also, that's a factor. I mean, 
their ridiculous leap, you know, in the second half of the year is a factor that just drove their point differential. They were by far, by far the highest net rating team, you know, starting whenever you want to do your cutoff, like January 15th or February 1st for post all-star. Um, so that's why coming down to under 53 and a half feels sketchy to me, even with all the things we, we agree we're both under, but like, this is a team that damn near, you know, could have won 60 games last year, maybe should have won 60 games. So, so that, that, that was factoring in my thinking. I wanted to throw that out there before we move on. So th- this might blow up in both of our faces is what you're saying. Might, might. That, you know what else also could blow up? The Brooklyn Speaking Nets, of. who are next. Their line is set at 51.5. Did you go over or under? One of my easiest unders. Um, Love it. And that's while acknowledging that they can win 60 games. I don't know. Uh, I just, I think the downside risk is enormous. There's so many ways for this to go bad. Um, I feel like we've spent this entire offseason talking about the Nets. Um, Kevin, you know, Kevin Durant misses tons and tons and tons of time and nobody talks about it. Part of that's a full season off, but like he's just been hurt. Soft you, tissue stuff. Over you ready for this not so fun fact? Let's hear it. Since 2018, 2019, Kevin Durant has appeared in fewer combined regular season and playoff games than both Kawhi and Joel Embiid. Okay. So why are, so let's assume he's going to miss half the season then, right? Or like, it's not, it's not inconceivable. Um, right. So it's, and, and we're talking about a, a 51 and a half uh, over under, like that's, that's up there. I think they're going to win 46, uh, but that's with the KD stuff. Kyrie Irving is going to miss time for you name it injury, uh, like, some seance that he has to go to. I don't, I don't know, like what, just whatever nonsense he's going to get up to that's non-basketball related. Um, his commitment to his team has been questionable basically forever. Um, there's Ben Simmons. I don't like, I don't know what kind of Ben Simmons you're going to get. The preseason returns grains of salt being thrown in all over the place. Don't look good. Like all the same stuff is still there with him. Just not wanting to shoot the ball or be a part of the offense in a significant way. Um, the supporting cast is pretty good. Uh, I I like a lot of it, but Seth Curry and Joe Harris are hurt and Joe Harris has an ankle thing again. And that's hugely troubling because that's what knocked him out basically all of last year. And he couldn't get back after the first incident with his ankle. So that that's a problem. Um, the downsides are just, they're just everywhere. Um, that's just too high of a win total for me to, to go over. I am with you. I went under and I, I'm like, not, I'm not necessarily comfortable about it, but I also have them at 45 wins. And so I'm, I'm clearly just like, there's going to be a fuck it factor here. And it's their range of outcomes is wide. And I'll frame it like this way. Like Kyrie Irving could lead the league in scoring. Yep. He could also lead the league in work from home requests on game day. And it's yep. just, it's unfathomable trying to figure out what this team would become. And also I think there are questions about how Ben Simmons, even if he stays healthy, will fit on offense. And then also the defense, we can't just assume he can play a bunch of center and this will be okay. But then we also can't assume that he can play with Nicholas Claxton or, or Dayron Sharp. So th- they might struggle defensively. They're, they're deep with offensive talent, but they don't, if you have KD and Kyrie, you don't necessarily need all this offensive depth. Oh, wait, maybe you do because how many games are they going to play in at the same time? If they, st- if this team stays together and KD, Kyrie and Benjamin's all play in at least 65 plus games, I don't even I guess I would pick the over there. I'm just not betting on that happening. And I could very much see this thing just imploding. And the other, we just can't, you can't tell me KD requests a trade demands that Steve Kerr and Sean Marks get fired. All three are still with the team and everything's just okay. No, 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 we don't get to play that card. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent. This team has, 
I mean, it's the most, it's, it's the easiest, like if, if, and when it goes bad, it'll, it'll have been the easy, like, of course, right. We'll just sit here being like, yeah, of course. Like, that was the number one pick on the combustibility rankings. They do have the widest range of outcomes of any team though, right? For sure. There's so much talent. There's so much top end talent. The Charlotte Hornets are up. Their line has moved down to 34.5 following news that Lamella ball is going to miss time with a sprained right ankle to start the season. Grant, where did you have them? I was under before uh, that line moved and I'm going to stay under. Um, I think, I mean, kind of like quietly th- this team, you can make the case sucks. that like there are no, yes, sucks. No, they're going to suck loud. Uh, they, 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 what they need from LaMelo ball, who now has a grade two ankle sprain. I think it's great too. Um, th- they need more from him than, than a lot of teams need from their best player because we're just, we don't need to talk about it, but Miles Bridges is not going to play. I strongly assume um, maybe ever, but certainly not this year. Um, and that guy was really good last year. Like he really mattered for this team and they have not replaced any of his uh, individual shot creation, solid secondary facilitation. I don't want to pump the guy up, um, but he mattered and they didn't replace him. Gordon Hayward's going to miss time. I still hate the center position um, almost regardless of who plays there. Uh, <laughs> So like if Lamelo, I think I heard you say, you know, he's the most improved candidate, totally legit pick. I mean, the ankle maybe pick, not anymore though. Maybe I, not. But I mean, before that it was totally reasonable that he could make a leap and, you know, maybe carry this team to like some play in consideration. Now they're like, I think this is a low thirties win total team. Um, and it could be worse than that. And they might be wise to steer into that if, if Lamelo you know, if this injury lingers or if there's a situation where we can just, let's just, Hey, it's March. Um, he's had this thing all year with his ankle. He's been, had a hard time getting back. Let's shut it down. Right. Like th- that's, that's definitely in the cards. Um, so, so I'm under, I, I think you could knock this line down to like 32 and a half and I'd have to think about it maybe. Um, uh, but at this point, not really. I went under as well, and I have them at 32 wins. So 32 and a half would be a thing point for me, but depending on how much time LaMelo misses this Without LaMelo Ball, this could feasibly be the worst team in the league. I don't yeah. think he's going to miss that much time, but I'm with you that they could pull the plug, decide to tank, and there will be people talking about, well, if LaMelo becomes disenchanted, what if he wants out? The way that the rookie extension process just works, he is going to sign the deal. And so if you're actually going to start over, now is the time to do it because this is year three, and he's a he's soon going to come off his rookie-scale contract. The clock, the clock really starts ticking when they begin that extension, which will happen two seasons from now. So I would be in favor of them doing that, even if LaMelo was fully healthy. But like, let's just say LaMelo comes back and misses like seven to nine games. This team is probably two and seven at that point, if that. And, oh, is Gordon Hayward just going to stay healthy all year? Like, is that something that we're actually going to bank on? You mentioned the center position. You have Mason Plumlee. They're probably not going to play Mark Williams all that much. Kai Jones doesn't look ready. Um, Steve Clifford's talked a lot about Nick Richards kind of having a, a stronghold on the backup five spot. And they have other nice players, but like not real secondary creation. Are you trusting Dennis Smith Jr. here? James Booknight, from what I've seen in preseason, I want to still believe in him after 2021 Summer League, but he's just looked bad. And Cody Martin, I really like. And Gordon Hayward is secondary creators. But like, is it enough? And PJ Washington is nice. But that's where I find myself saying is, oh, this is a nice player. These, a lot of plug-and-play players, but no one else that you can really feature. Gordon Hayward probably comes closest. Um, this, 
especially with like, you know, the other amount of teams that are tanking, this is a team that if they really want to tank and they're not ready to just shut down guys and not play them, you got to start wheeling and dealing where it's Mm -hmm. like, is there a taker for Gordon Hayward's deal? Can we offload Terry Rozier? I think it's more likely they get to that point than the play-in right now, which sucks because we know that Michael Jordan owned teams aspire to get to the 10 seed. (laughs) The Chicago Bulls are at 41.5. Grant, what did you have, Matt? I got an under here too, uh, just narrowly. I think um, I just really like the whole, like, I guess I got to take an L on DeMar DeRozan and that whole trade. Cause like, yeah, I mean, he, goddamn like he was an mvp candidate for a section of last year i thought that like i thought the bulls just like lost that trade on talent with the spurs in hindsight uh that that was wrong uh but i think defensively this team is going to struggle i think lonzo ball being out is like just a just a disaster um i mean like the the ball brothers just just destroying their teams by being out is is like a cool fun trend lonzo seems mega serious they billy donovan kind of alluded to that he has to plans if Lonzo won't play this year. Right. And, and he's vital. Like I know it's an oversimplification, but when the bulls were like, Holy shit, this team is first in the East and looks really great. Um, that's when Lonzo was healthy and Alex Caruso got hurt too. But like nobody on the roster that played as many minutes as Lonzo did last year had a bigger positive impact on their defensive rating. They were 8.6 points per hundred possessions, stingier on defense with him on the floor. That's noisy. It's half a season. But if you watch the Bulls at all, him and Caruso just wrecking stuff at the point of attack and being in passing lanes was the defense. Yeah. Uh, so if he's not there, you're losing that. You're losing, I mean, a 42 point something percent spot up three point shooter. You're losing probably the best passer on the team. You're just losing stuff that you can't replace with anybody else. And we saw last year, the Bulls are basically a sub 500 team if Lonzo's not playing. So, so do that. Like Patrick Williams, maybe he pops. Although like there was talk, within the last couple of days that he might not have a, a tight grip on his starting job. Which no, they, they brought him off the bench for some of the preseason. Like, like that's bad. Like that's like a long-term. Oh shit. Cause the bulls don't have a lot of outs cause they gave up two firsts to Orlando for Vooch that, which, you know, there's, there's your other defensive problem um, along with DeRozan. So I just see this team as being a lot more like, you know, the latter stages of, of last season when they came back to earth and were, you know, kind of break even and DeRozan would bail them out occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I think it's, I think it's kind of Portlandy, you know, like just drawing more parallels between East and West, like they're 500 ish. Um, I guess they could be a little bit better if the offense is great and Levine's healthy, but um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable going over 41 and a half. And their offseason was rather uninspiring. You could say, who were they supposed to pick up? But, like, using part of the MLE on Andre Drummond is just like, why? Okay, and why did you use the biannual on Tristan Thompson in the middle of last year? That would have been something you could have used this year. Um, Goran Dragic apparently chose them over Dallas because he's going to have a bigger role. That should have been the red flag for Lonzo in the first place. But also, what does that say about Kobe White? It's just, And he had, like, he was on a heater at one point last year. This team has talent, especially on the offensive end. I don't know how they're going to shake out on defense. I don't have confidence in any of their bigs. Their best defensive big is probably Derek Jones Jr. or Patrick Williams. And I thought maybe that's why they're bringing Patrick Williams off the bench. Maybe they want to give him some more ball handling responsibility too. There's a scenario in which the Bulls are like okay to to really fine. But the Lonzo injury just has me all sorts of pessimistic. And I think they're a team that could sort of um, pivot into this. I took the under on 41 and a half. I think I have them at 40. So just on the fringes. 
Uh, but if they wanted to, they could start selling off DeMar DeRozan. They could move him. Um, they could be a sneaky Russell Westbrook trade destination yeah. at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, all sorts of concern about them. Not as concerned about the Cleveland Cavaliers who are next up. Their line is at 47 and a half. Grant, where do you have the Cavs at? That's an over for me. Uh, I just over the moon to the moon. No, I only have them at four. Oh, I only have them at 49 wins. Um, wow. What an asshole. I know. Just, I just don't believe, I think I just, it's hard for me to see throwing out all the normal, like every team issues of, Oh, injuries or, or this. Like, it's hard for me to see how this goes wrong in a major way, because like you just you're just adding Donovan Mitchell to a team that has just like one of my favorite young guards in the entire league in Garland. I think like he just does other than if he were like th- two inches taller, like this guy would be just a total force. He's just a little undersized to be like a true, you know, a one game changer. But he's really good. He, he does everything you need him to do. He can make spot up shots. He can shoot off the dribble. He can get into the lane. All great stuff. And the concerns you'd have about pairing him with Mitchell, I think are just mitigated because Evan Mobley can guard everything and is going to be a superstar. And Jared Allen, um, who I think, I, I tell you, my, uh, I think, because, you know, you shout out Frank Nilakina. If I had a tagline at the end of these pods, it would just be like, Jared Allen, I'm sorry. Because as we've talked about a million times, we thought his contract was terrible and we're very wrong. If there are any first-time listeners out there, and if there are Cavs fans who haven't listened, we skewered that deal. Yeah. And we we probably look pretty bad. That yeah. segment when we were grading the 2021 offseason, that, that aged so terribly. So bad. So bad. But we're making up for it because we're I'm I'm sure you're over. I don't want us to steal your thunder. The Cavs are gonna be awesome. They're gonna be super fun to watch. Um Mobley is like just I, you, I couldn't be higher on a young player than I am on Mobley. Uh so yeah, I it's over for me and I feel great about it. Yeah, I had you listed as under for a minute. Uh, I don't know why I did that. I was probably pissed because you didn't go to 50 wins like I did for them. I have them at 50 to 51 wins. Easy over for me. Uh, I will say, doing I participated. It's no longer sort of this solo job, the NBA rank at Bleach Report. I used to do it myself. Now it's a collaborative process, and people are going to be mad where Darius Garland ended up. I couldn't believe it. He is low. I don't know if it's released yet, so I'm not going to drop the number, but my fucking God. Uh, I'm... I'm with you. Do you know who threw more assists at the rim than Darius Garland last year? Tell me. Trey Young, and that's that's it. Uh, you also have both Darius Garland and Don- Donovan Mitchell ranked as two of the most efficient high-volume off-the-dribble three-point shooters for the second half of last year. Um, this is ju- or Sorry, Darius Garland was for the second half of the year, and they both were like over 35% for the season on high enough volume. I can't be... I missed on the Mobley pick. I didn't think it was going to be a bust, but I didn't understand it. Watching him, I see it. The buzz... Um, Justin Rowan of the Chase Down podcast came on. We were talking. The buzz coming out of training camp apparently is just that he is a fucking monster. And we're talking about like face up stuff, pull up jumpers. Who knows if they get to plumb that? Um, he was dealing with an ankle injury at one point. Don't think it was serious, so that's good. There are some questions about the depth on this team, and the East is going to be good. I'm a big believer in Dean Wade, and so I think you stick those four out there, close the game with Dean Wade, and you'll be fine. They also they can still make a trade. Um, like they have as Isaac Okoro. They have just some like movable money when you're looking at Jetty Osmond is there's still believers in Dylan Windler just money that's not damaging this team gets better too when Ricky Rubio comes back and what if Karis Levert hits there are some just like awkwardness there you do need to stagger to where I think you want Levert off the bench but you don't want to play too much with Rubio because that's just sort of this thorny fit but they'll figure it out and I think that this is going to be a 50 win team barring any just 
huge injury. And I, I look, there are, they get to the postseason. there. I don't, I'm not going to count them as a tier one contender. No, but I look at this team on paper right now. And if you told me they made a trade for a wing, not like a super, not an OG Ananobi type wing, but just a wing. Like if it was Gary Trent Jr. Or if it was, even if it was Jay Crowder, I don't love that fit, but if it was Jay Crowder or if it was Cody Martin, I don't fucking care. I might be ready to build them as just like a fringe tier one contender. I am so unbelievably high on the Cavs, which is probably bad news for bad news for the Cavs if we're being honest here. No, I, I I'm I love them too. I that that is it though. If they had if they had a six seven guy who could guard and make threes at like a thirty seven percent clip, then we're really talking. But I think they just have enough everywhere else to just smash this over. The Detroit Pistons are up. Their win total is twenty nine point five. What do you got, Grant? Kind of a hard one. I went under. Uh, I think, I, I guess I'm receptive to you know Cunningham is gonna is gonna pop, and I really like Jaden Ivy. I have I don't I so you say I tweet quarterly. I tweeted today, Dan. I mean, oh, was it, it because you knew you were coming on the podcast? You wanted something to plug? Yeah, no, that was it. <laughs> it's, and it's not. It's just I saw Jaden Ivy make three incredible plays in the preseason game tonight, and I just like it just. <laughs> It just it just was a what is it confirmation bias because I sort of thought like this guy is a level of athlete that comes along you know once every five six years and like everything he does just verifies that uh, so I don't know if he's gonna be good but man I really enjoy watching him uh, and I think theoretically the fit with Cunningham long term makes all the sense in the world just like a total nuclear athlete with the guy that's polished and can handle the ball and do like all the all the like fine motor skill stuff. Um, I, I think the I like Detroit's potential. I just am not even with even if with these some of the like more win now ish moves, I guess, which is what you call the Bogdanovich trade. Um, I I think they're just a high twenties win total team. I have them at twenty eight, which is under technically. Um, they could steer into it too, like some of these other teams, and really you know tank tank hard down the stretch. But um, I guess I view them as as a notch currently above the four really shitty West teams. Um, and so I think the wins have got to come somewhere. Like everybody can't win 25 or fewer. So I think, I think they're going under, but they're, but they're going to be closer to that 30, 30, 29 and a half mark than some of these others. Yeah. I went under a 27 two and I didn't feel great about it. It does feel like the Pistons, one of the Matt and Zach Lowe has said this. I'm, I guess I'm like co-opting his thought, but I, I think when you looked at the East pecking order, you could see that maybe the Pistons or the magic would be better than, like one of the Hornets or both of the wizard, like one of those two mm-hmm. teams or both of them. Um, It's almost counterintuitive to not pick the Pistons there because they have the two best like creators. I know Paolo Bancaro's in Orlando, but also Jaden Ivey, like Bancaro's a rookie. There's a learning curve for that creativity. Knowing you have Kate Cunningham there though. So the primary ball handling ball handler play in Detroit is better than what it is in Orlando. Unless you think Paolo Bancaro is a superstar from day one. Like maybe he's Luka Doncic for all we know. Possible, but like when you're looking at Jalen Suggs, who's injured, by the way, when you look at Marco Fultz, also injured, by the way, or an RJ Hampton or a Cole Anthony, that's just not going to be as inspiring. That being said, I ultimately think the Magic just have more proven depth to them mm-hmm. when you're looking at what Wendell Carter Jr. did last year, even Mobamba having a good season. Um, Chumo KK, who I believe wants us, he found out his name was pronounced differently, so I'm trying to pronounce that correctly. It's not Okiki, it's OKK. Uh, <laughs> There's again, there's still a ton of unproven stuff there, and they maybe they move Terrence Ross uh, or Gary Harris. But I think I like the Magic better than the Pistons, and it came down to when you look at Detroit. Um, if they end up playing Jalen Duran at mid-year a bunch of time, he's probably going to average like twelve fouls per thirty-six minutes. Yeah. That's just how it's going to be. 
And they have some, the Marvin Bagley injury. I don't know if we've gotten any updates on it. We've been recording for the past few hours, but that, I don't know how much it hurts their team if he's out, but like it throws another wrinkle into the front court. But if he's healthy, Dwayne Casey's talking about him being a stretch big and Marvin Bagley shot had an effective field goal percentage under 30 on jumpers last yeah. year. So you're Not playing happening. Isaiah Stewart with another big all the time. How does that work? Nerwin's Noel, who's banged up to start the season. There's just so many. It's a wonky rotation with a lot of intriguing players. And I think ultimately the Pistons are on the right track. And I like the Boyan Bogdanovich pickup. He's going to streamline the the ball handling and the decision-making for Cade and Jay Nivey just by giving them a, a caps lock shooter. And hopefully if they play Isaiah Livers, he will too. But I'm also convinced that they're going to move him at the trade deadline for a late first round pick and that the Jazz would have gotten a pick if they weren't looking to sort of cut salary or willing to take on longer term deals. The Pistons, I think, might be more willing to do that. So it was it's an uncomfortable under, but I, I think I think it's going to be an under and that I would still view them as not in the OKC light, but they're a team that's going to say, well, we're going to try another year of playing for this draft pick and then we go from there. Yeah, we are on to the Indiana Pacers. And that is a 23 and a half win number that I went over on comfortably. And that makes me uncomfortable. I, I have Excuse the, me? You went over? <laughs> yeah, I did. I have the Pacers as the worst team in the East. Uh, and obviously they're in line to tank again or, or to tank like Detroit and some other teams. I just look at the team right now and like, it's not that bad. I, I, <laughs> I like Halliburton. I think Buddy Hield's going to make shots. I like Duarte. I like Miles Turner. I like uh, Ijax. I think there's just like some decent to better, like in Halliburton's case, a lot better than decent players. And so it's a little bit like Utah where, yeah, like they might get off to a start that's solid. And then you really got to start like, you know, pushing some buttons here and getting getting guys out or traded or sitting down or whatever. Um, but the roster on paper is, to me, it's like not that bad. So, yeah, they're going to win fewer games, I think, than anyone in the East. But they're just not right now. They're just not on the level of those bad teams in the West, those bottom four. Uh, so I think at the end of the year, it could be a situation where they're trying to be that bad. But I kind of think they're going to bank enough wins early where getting under 25 or certainly under, what is it, what did I say, 23 and a half, um, that might be hard to do. It is a low total. I went under though, because I said that there's going to be one in my head when I was doing this there, I was resigned to there being one really bad team in each conference. I picked the Spurs for the West and the Indiana for the East, because I think miles Turner gets traded sooner rather than later. And then after that, it's just like, you could trade buddy. He'll not trade buddy. He'll, he doesn't make a difference. Benedict Mather. I'm very much intrigued, has a lot more to offer on the ball than I thought he did, but he's a rookie. And how much talent did you put around Tyrese Halbert? I think this will be a great experience for him. Uh, but you guaranteed Jalen Smith the starting spot for a reason here. Uh, you're not you're you're in full on experimental mode. They're talking about using Isaiah Jackson more on the ball. Maybe Chris Duarte comes out like gangbusters. They have no wings. They have Aaron Neesmith is like going to be their primary wing defender. What the fuck? So <laughs> I I think that they, and that's by design. I think this roster is going to be bad by design. And I don't know if Herb Simon, the owner, was pushing back against them fully bottoming out. But I think even with Miles Turner. Maybe they might survive defensively on some nights, but they're going to be a team that's closer to rock bottom than not, even with him. Um, but there's still there's a lot of reasons to still watch them and players to, you know to develop. I just I went into this saying there's always it feels like a really bad team in each conference. And with the look, I think wins are going to be harder to come by in the East in part because I would view the Pistons and the Magic at least early on to be very competitive and also 
going up against teams like Charlotte and Washington and New York and Chicago who will fancy themselves whatever's like playing or postseason candidates, especially in the early of the season, to me it feels like the Pacers are probably going to fall behind that pack. I had them at 20 wins. Ooh, wow. That's going to be a fun one to follow this year. Yeah, that is low. Uh, next up, we have the Miami Heat at 29, uh, 49.5. Over, over, 49.5. over. <laughs> I, I got him. I got him under. Uh, I got him at forty-seven wins. Um, they're a little old. They're a little bereft of PJ Tucker. Uh, <laughs> and them in the box, both man. Yeah, that you know, don't trade. Don't lose PJ Tucker. Uh, although, like, I, every time I talk about PJ Tucker or write about him, I have to throw in the thing of like, you might you might feel good about getting away you know, now than signing him to that three-year deal. And then, Oh, Oh geez. When he's 38 or 39, like he's not really worth this money. I, I mean, that's, it's not the worst guy to try to move on from. It's just that like nobody replicates what he brought last year. Um, you know, we, we've talked about, uh, we have to hit the other Martin brother. Um, I think he's in line to play a lot and I think we both like him. Uh, it's just, it's not going to do what Tucker did. Um, I think Lowry, although he's supposedly in shape and hopefully in a better place than last year, uh, he's getting up there. I think 36, right? Like we talk about Chris Paul aging. I mean, Lowry's right there. Uh, so I think the heat are going to be really good. I think just a couple of other East teams have surpassed them. And so I have them at 47. They just don't look like a 50 win team to me, which you'd need to think they were to go over here. I am in agreement with you. I had them at 48 for what it's worth. So I was a little bit closer to the over than I th thought I was going to be. Well, excuse me. Uh, if you, anyone wants a picture of someone dunking um, from the Blazers that almost hit their head on the backboard, there you go. Uh, I, I, I could see a scenario in which they hit the over, but I just have so many questions about their bench again, even though it was good last year and Victor Oladipo will presumably be healthy this year. Um, and either you have him or Tyler hero coming off the bench, but just like, are you playing? Is Duncan Robinson even in, in this rotation? Are you going to rely on over your seven to give you some minutes this year? Um, I really do like Caleb Martin. I think he's probably the guy that should be your de facto four, but Lowry's another year older. I'll believe that Bam is going to be a lot more aggressive on offense consistently day to day when I see it. I do think that's a real problem, by the way. It might be yeah. an oversimplification, but it's an actual issue for them. Um, Jimmy Butler is still that guy, and that could certainly power them to a lot of victories. Eric Spolster is a fantastic coach. Um, I just... It, they need to make a move to me. And it's just until they do that, I'm not confident in them being that 50 win team. It's just, I know Nikias Duncan had talked about or written about that. Haywood Highsmith is giving them some just really interesting minutes. But like we're at the point now where we're again, talking about the heat, just unearthing these diamonds in the rough. Yeah. There's going to be one season. I have to imagine they're not going to do that enough. And again, 48 games is still really frigging good. But what is the over under on the number of games that Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler and, uh, Kyle Lowry play together who I hope Kyle Lowry he was dealing with off court stuff last year. I hope he's fine. One of my favorite players in the league just in general, but how many games do they play together? Like if you set the over under at 56, I might take the under on yeah. that. Yeah. That would bring us to the Milwaukee bucks at 52.5 grant. Where are you at with them? So it feels kind of weird because they had the point differential of a 50 win team last year. And yet this was one of my easiest overs. Um, and it also feels weird because they're one of those teams that like they've they've got their title. They might've got another one last year had Chris Middleton stayed healthy. So they're a team that like, what do we care about the regular season? Um, I have them for the highest win total of any team in the league. And I just think we've overthought it. 
Um, <laughs> they have they have Giannis, who is the best player in the world at the peak of his powers. Brook Lopez missed a ton of time last year. Maybe he's at the age where him being out there is not the help it used to be. Um, Middleton will be back. They're 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 kind of wing rotation. I have questions about, but it's just it's fucking Giannis. It's a team that has a ton of continuity, uh, and I I just don't see like a true juggernaut in the East. I guess we'll get to Philly. Maybe that's it. And I think the Bucks just have all this institutional knowledge and top end talent. And Giannis didn't win a ring last year, so I assume he's the most motivated person on planet Earth. <laughs> um, and maybe we haven't seen the best of a guy that's won two MVPs. Um, so I'm just going to bet on the guy that I think is better than everyone else. And and that's Giannis. And, and so 50, 57 wins, like, isn't a nuts total. There's a team that's going to team, a team wins 57 games, like almost every year. And sometimes a couple of them do. So that that's going to be it for me. They're, they're the one this year for me. I, I really like the bucks. Yeah, I do quite the 57 mark feels like it might be tougher to reach this year. 53 won the East last season. It was an easy over for me though, for a lot of the stuff you said and the Chris Middleton wrist injury, missing some of the time when you actually go through these rosters in the East where what Cleveland's dealing with and in integrating Donovan Mitchell being reliant on some younger guys, but also some questions on the wing spots. Um, when you look at uh, how am I running out of teams already? When you look at Miami's age and we just talked about like concerns about their depth, when you look at Philly with Harden and Embiid is Harden worse is Embiid still fragile. Um, do they have enough like backup five rotation? We're going to see too much Montrez Harrell at points. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks are the least combustible team in maybe the NBA. Them or the Denver Nuggets. Regular season-wise, they just they have the infrastructure, these just iron men of superstars anchoring everything around them. So I think they will win the East, um, fin finish atop the regular season standings. I only have them at 53 because I think there's that much parity. But with what you said, I could see them winning 57-60 if Giannis is playing in every game and – it's just, it's possible. And if some of the other East teams, like in the mid end that start to fade out and tank, and there's just more wins available when there normally isn't, um, this was, this might be my best bet actually in the conference. Yeah. I just, it, it let really drill down and it's just, I have no questions. No, I have no questions about the, book. no notes, a plus, no, <laughs> no notes, no notes. <laughs> uh, this next team, I actually considered making them my best bet though, for the over under process. That is the New York Knicks and their line is set. At 38.5, Grant, did you go over or under? I went over. Uh, it wasn't that tough. I, I think, uh, what was their, their, they had the they had the point differential of a 41-win team last year. I think they're going to win 41 this year, which is kind of conservative. I think just based on, like, if you think Jalen Brunson is anything, and and I, happen, I, I think he is. I think I, he's not an all-star, but I think he matters. Um, I think R.J. Barrett could get better. I think Isaiah Hartenstein is like sort of offsets the, the poor decision of how much money they gave Mitchell Robinson. Um, I, I just like, you know, I think the Randall component of this all is like very difficult. Um, I just, he doesn't help anybody on the team look better. I don't think because of the ball dominance and the poor jump shooting and the spacing, maybe he's better than last year. I think he came on towards the end of the year. You could speak to that better than I could. Um, there's just a decent amount of time. I think Quentin Grimes could take a big step forward. He should probably uh, play him enough for sure. I think he ought to start over Fournier. I'm I'm open to that. Um, so not world beaters, but like, yeah, this this team can be 500. Why not? 
they're just not good. And they're over for me. And I'm not necessarily confident in their direction overall. No. Um, that's where the Donovan Mitchell trade process comes in. Go check out our Knicks look ahead. Go check out our reaction to the Donovan Mitchell trade itself. So I don't want to get into that. I'm trying to think of a way where if they're relatively healthy, that they wouldn't hit this. And it's Julius Randle can't be a part of a larger ecosystem is act is actively detrimental to the way they're playing. And Tibbs still won't play Obi Toppin over him. And even if it's just like, if your biggest quibble is that I know starting lineups, a lot of people think they don't matter when you're getting into the nitty gritty of how minutes are going to be distributed. If you start Evan Fournier with RJ Barrett, who should clearly start Jalen Brunson should clearly start. You're not fitting Cam Reddish, um, Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, and then Evan Fournier, like who is restarting all into that rotation. Like it's just not someone's going to get squeezed. And yet I'll be mad if, if it's, you know, Quentin Grimes not playing enough or if it's Emmanuel quickly not playing enough. And Derek Rose, by the way, factors in that Tibbs is not yeah. going to not play Derek Rose until I'd say unless, but it's until he gets injured and misses time. My point there is even if you have a problem with that process, it probably, if it's happening, only helps the Knicks' win total. Mm. And so that's like, I, I could, if you play the youth, I actually think they'll be better if they play Grimes more than Fournier this year. That's without a doubt. Um, but if you're playing Evan Fournier like a ton of minutes and he's hitting his threes, um, I, I think the biggest question mark for them, I mean, even their five depth, Mitchell Robinson has talked about having a hook shot now. I don't ever want to see that. I'm just <laughs> going to be clear. But he's made some strides when you look at his discipline on defense. Isaiah Hartenstein was one of the best pickups of the summer. And you are right, Julius Randle came on a bit towards the end of the year. I think the key is, can you, one, can he operate more with the ball outside of his hands? But two, are the Knicks going to have him operate that way? And that is the only real disaster scenario for them beyond injuries that I would see. I can, like I said, I consider this making this one of my easiest choices. Um, 38.5 seems low, but we were both probably burned on them last year. So like, or this past season, we are on to the Orlando magic at 27 and a half. This one was daring me to say some stuff. It was, I thought about this one for a while. Um, I went over, I feel good about it. I I think, you alluded to it when we were discussing the Pistons. I mean, Orlando just isn't on that level. Is and by which I mean, like we, you know, we've got a handful of tankers. We've talked about Indy. We've talked about Detroit. We talked about all the bad West teams on the on the West Pod. Um, I think Orlando is just different than those teams. I think it's it's better. I think uh, there's just more. There's just more talent. There's more Bancaro. A lot hinges on Bancaro because I think his ability to create shots for a team who just does not get good shot creation from any of its guards, generally speaking, I guess you'd throw Fultz in there, but I think part of shot creation is like, you can get a shot for yourself and make it. And, and it's also like, that. Oh, defenders aren't standing 50 feet away from you and you're not right. so much creating as dribbling into it. Yeah. So he matters. I also think, have we talked about Franz Wagner yet? Like I, I think him and Bancaro together, because Wagner, I think, is not is someone that we should not rule out being. Oh, he's just like a wing now. That's enormous. There's, I didn't watch it for everybody. I didn't watch EuroBasket, but I saw some of the highlights, and I talked to Kobe Price, the Orlando Sentinel. There's just like, yeah, he was just raining hell off yeah. the dribble. No, he was like a number one option, and he looked good doing it. So, I mean, Bancaro, I think, is sort of anointed. You know, he's got the the number one pick pedigree, and is going to get like a if not first cracked, like probably the lion's share of opportunities to be the initiator. Wagner like just might be better than him. Actually, frankly, as a, as a total package, considering he's in his second year, probably is better than him right now. We'll see. Um, but, you know, I think we both love Carter. 
I think he's an underrated center. I might've gone a little out over my skis and said, he was like a guy that I wouldn't be shocked if he made an all-star game. No, you're, last year about this year. You're, well, you're just a hundred percent right. Go, people just go back and watch him and he's look good. at his numbers. It's now you have better talent around them too. Like maybe yeah. that gives them less control or actions in the offense. No, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. You're spot no, on. No, no, no. That's all I got is the, the magic have like a lot of really promising slash already very good NBA players. So um, I'm going over, I, I don't know what, how many games they want to win. And maybe they'd like to still right. be, you know, down there around where we got a decent shot at a top three pick, but yeah, they're, they're just not on, they're a cut above, you know, the, what is it like six other teams? I think that we've talked about as tankers so far. They weren't easy. They weren't an easy over for me. I think I was actually, they weren't easy over. I was trying to figure out how far to go over. I ended up at 30 because I think there's going to be an eventual pullback from them once they realize, Hey, we're maybe not in the plan, but this wouldn't be the team that if they're going to outperform the Hornets wizards, uh, it it's them more so than the Pistons, the Jalen Suggs injury and Markel Fultz being injured at the same time worries me a little bit. I, I actually really thought Jalen Suggs was going to have an amazing year when he was going to have less responsibility on offense. Now I saw a lot of people talking about how he just needed to be used like a point guard. And I was like, that's basically how Orlando was using him last year. And that was part of the problem aside from the stop and startiness of his, his injury. So if they miss, Maybe it's because of just not having that guard depth, but I'm I think they'll I'm pretty comfortable with the over. The next team, the Philadelphia 76ers at 50.5. I'm actually a little bit shocked and uncomfortable at how easy this was for me. Yeah, that's such a low line. I, I don't know what you're pricing in there. Uh it's it's over for me. I, I think if there's a team in the East that I think could finish ahead of Milwaukee or be at least as dangerous as Milwaukee, it's the Sixers. Um I like why, like how, why, why does this team win 50 games or fewer? I, I mean, it's the, you know, the Embiid gets hurt. Harden is, is even more washed than he looked at points last year. I don't think either of those are it's, super likely. It's the Harden thing is really the actual swing point because they need him to be probably a top 15 to 20 player in the NBA. And I just, I mean, he looks in better shape. So I just, it, to me, I think that's what's baked in is that people really think, James Harden is done because he was dealing with injuries and wasn't in the best shape last year. And also was playing for a new team. He wanted to get there. Let's be clear. But like, that's not an easy mid season adjustment no. to make in general. And he wasn't in shape clearly. So I think Harden will be better. I don't think Harden is going to be an all NBA level player. Um, I mean, he's no Andrew Wiggins. So let's, you know, keep that. <laughs> I think if you took, if you said Harden didn't play a minute this year, I'd have a hard time saying the Sixers were going to win fewer than 51 games just because like, I think Maxi is ready to take a leap. Uh, I, I mean, not even a leap. Like he was really good last year. He's just going to be a little better. I think Embiid will again, just be, Oh man, he was so close to MVP. Like, Oh shit. Why can't he like, just for the third year in a row, he's going to be right there. Um, I, like Tobias Harris is not nothing. De'Anthony Melton is really going to matter. PJ Tucker's really like, they just have all these guys, house junior, like, even without Harden, I don't know if you could talk me into this team being under 50 wins or they have to be under 51. And so pretty darn easy over for me. That's and I penciled mine in already because I the only thing I can add to yours is that Maxi was so good in both roles where he was featured without Ben Simmons. James Harden comes. He sort of uses his third wheel and he's just annihilating people with his three pointers and his straight line drives. He's so fast if he gets going just in that north south direction. And so, yes, if James Harden is not good. Um, it does become awkward because you're not going to suddenly take the ball out of his hands for Tyrese Maxey. There's just enough secondary talent there, even with Tobias Harris on offense. And then of course, Joel Embiid, 
that they should still be that pleasant. Like maybe they're not a championship contender, but oh, they won 51 games or something. I'm I'm like so bullish on them. And it's funny. I actually penciled them in for oh, I had them at 53. It's like sort of tied with Milwaukee near the top. I thought I had them at 51 for a second. The Toronto Raptors, 46.5. Where did you have them? This is a tough one. I, I went over um my reservations are basically that you know this is a team that was unusually constructed and deployed unusually uh, in that they just sort of, you know, the centerless stuff um, lineups that, you know, their most used lineups just like could not defensive rebound, could not score in the half court. And they didn't really fix any of that. Um, So I think what you're banking on, and I guess what I'm banking on, because I went over um, is that just enough of the guys that they need to get better will get better. Um, I mean, obviously that starts with Scotty Barnes, but I think you could, you could bank on other than say, I think, I think, you know, even Siakam could be just marginally better there's or been, at least as good. There's been We've some been, murmurings that he has like this very fluid off the dribble three right now, yeah, which, which like if then boy, that goes a long way towards solving your, we can't score in the half court stuff. Um, I think Ananobi is just permanently on the list of like, oh man, if he takes a little step, you know. It's not too late for that. I'm losing some faith because I've been calling for that for like three years. Um, no, I, I think they're they're fundamentally unchanged as a team. The, the hope is that they're just better at doing the stuff that they kind of started to try to do last year schematically and that they have enough in other areas, talking about like turnover creation and, and transition offense to just sort of offset what I think again will be like a pretty bad defensive rebounding team and a pretty bad half court team relative to like teams that are going to win in the high forties, which I think they will. They have th- those are my concerns. You laid them out perfectly there for me. And I don't know. I mean, if Scotty Barnes is able to do stuff at a higher processing speed when it comes to his shot decision-making or just with the ball in his hands, um, there's been, I know there's been talk. I haven't watched a ton of him in preseason, but Delano Banton is apparently ready to make a leap. It's just, I worry about the ball handling and some of the shooting overall. You need the, you have Fred Van Fleet, you have Pascal Siakam. What is Scotty Barnes in a few years? But this is year two. You need sort of just that faster break everything down guy. And I don't even know if that's necessarily Fred Van Fleet. Like it's Siakam can do it. I think at a slower processing sp- speed. Um, and, and Fred Van Fleet has just like never necessarily been that guy. He's been better when he's almost away from the ball, but he has improved as a point guard. I want to make that clear. Um, and that's my biggest question. But they were right here last year. And they got better with their additions. And if Precious Achua is really this, like, you know, three-point shooting, switchable guy who can grab the ball and go get up the floor, um, they're going to be really good. Maybe you don't buy into their offense in the postseason, which I think is where their half-court struggles will hurt them the most. Um, But for the regular season specifically, I ended up having them. I think I had them at 49 wins. Was it 48? I put them at 49. It's like they could be a a 50 winner for me. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. We are on to the last team, which is the Washington Wizards. Where did you put them with their 35 and a half over under? So I'm going to need you to talk me down a little bit. Um, uh, so, I will welcome that challenge. So I I think this, I feel like this is a pretty easy over for me. Um, and part of it's because 35 and a half wins is a low number. They won, they played like a 32 win team last year and Beal basically had a loss. Their best player had a lost season, more or less. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my starting point. I don't think I, I think I have them finishing 11th in the conference or basically tied with the Bulls at 10th. So it's not like I'm saying the Wizards are are going to be even a, a play-in team necessarily. <laughs> You're actually not saying they're going to no, be I'm a play-in. I'm not play-in saying team. that, but factually, I am not saying <laughs> that. Uh, 
I just feel like you have Beal back. Let's assume he's okay, right? You have Porzingis, who played like way better for the Wizards than he did for the Mavs last year. Tiny sample, but he played four back-to-backs too. Now, of course, he has a sprained ankle from preseason, but like... Probably because he played those four back-to-backs last year. (laughs) Right. Yeah, they didn't load manage him in those 17 games. Uh, So, you know, I think we sort of agree that the, the... We can now say that Porzingis is not a second star on a good team. Fortunately, the Wizards are not a good team, so he's fine as like your second option. I think they sort of addressed the point guard issues they had last year when the rotation was just god-awful. We like Monte Morris. Um, Hurst lose KCP, but I think the combo of like your Kuzmas and your Denny Avdias and even your Corey Kisperts, if he's healthy, like there's some wing forwardy guys there. So Avdia you know, might be the most underrated defender in the league just because I think everyone thinks he's bad. I'm not, not saying here he's not. We talk about yeah. him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's our, I think that's our second most viewed video on YouTube is we got like 7,000 views because we talked about how good Denny Avdia was on defense. So you can go check that out. I mean, he, he is, and he's young enough to where, like, just get a little more comfortable as a spot-up shooter. I think he sees the floor well, and which is hugely valuable at his size. So, like, there's offensive value there that could very easily be realized this season. And then, like, and then with the, de- you know, with his defensive ability, like, suddenly you have a two-way wing who can, like, playmake a little bit. I'm not wing slash forward. He's a little bigger. Um, so I just, like... There's tons of downside potential. Porzingis could play 15 games. Beal could be some combination of hurt again and beat up. But like 36, they got to win 36 to go over. And you're in the conference with, you know, Detroit and, and Indy and Charlotte potentially like being really bad. I think, I think there are 36 wins out there for them. I, I have them at 40, which is feels ridiculous to say, but I'm good on the over for them. I went the over at 36. I just don't think they're kind of in the similar vein of the Knicks where because you have Bradley Beal, maybe they will shut him down, uh, but maybe they won't if they're not that good. And that now that Charlotte's pulling back and they've seen the injuries in Chicago, they'll have uh, incentive to go for it. I like a lot of the players on this team, as you outlined with Monte Moore. They might even be able to cobble together some really good defensive lineups as Christoph Porzingis is healthy. Kyle Kuzma's improved there. We've already talked about Denny Avdia. Monte Morris can be solid. And so you don't need to be able to do a ton because he really hasn't played defense in a few years. It feels like I don't know what Rui Hachimura is though. I don't know what to expect. If anything from Johnny Davis, uh, Corey Kispert was not as good offensively last year as I was expecting him to be. So there's just a lot of question marks there. I guess having Daniel Gafford as a backup big is huge. And then DeLon Wright being able to come off the bench. So there's depth there. I just don't trust it to be like a 500 team, but this does now that after listening to you, I was supposed to talk you off the ledge. Now I'm wondering if like, I just missed on them. Maybe the East just feels too good, and I'm reading too much into the way Bradley Beal um, played last season. So they're an over for me, but I don't have them as, and this would be a good time to get into like the standings, I don't have them as a play-in team either. So if we go over here and look, um, so our East ranks, I have, we both have Milwaukee at one. Your records aren't there, I apologize. But Philly at two, and we both have them there. I have Cleveland at three. Boston at four, Toronto at five, Miami at six. You have Boston at three, Cleveland at four, Toronto at five, and Miami at six. Um, So we differ just on Cleveland. My seven to ten are Atlanta, Brooklyn, New York, and Chicago. Yours are also not in that order. Brooklyn at seven, Atlanta at eight, New York at nine, Chicago at ten. So like you still have Washington out of the play-in. No big differences there. We have Washington as the 11th seed. Charlotte is the 12th, Orlando is the 13th, Detroit is the 14th, and, fi- and Indy is the 15th. That's a consensus. 
So when you texted me saying that we were eerily similar, you weren't kidding. No, I, I said we were annoyingly similar. <laughs> Terrible podcasting. I, yeah. I'm, and like, there's, we're just, we differ on Cleveland a little bit. We both still have them in the top four. Like, that's the only thing. The West, we'll scroll over there. This is not the Western Conference pod, but we didn't go through it really quickly. I have the Nuggets as having the best record in the league. You had the, um, the Bucks as having the best record in the league, correct? Yes, 57 for the Bucks. I have the Nuggets at one, um, Phoenix at two, Golden State at three, and the Pelicans at four. And then you have Golden State at one, Denver at two, Minnesota at three, and the Clippers at four. So you're just that. I know we talked about this, but you're just that high on Minnesota. Just as a regular season team, I think, yeah, we, we, we talked about it on the West Pod. People should go check it out. I just think they're built to win a bunch of right. This isn't a hot take. Like I feel like that's the consensus on them is that, man, they're going to win some regular season games. I will say Minnesota over the Clippers and Phoenix is a hot take. A little bit, a little bit. Um, so you have Phoenix at five, Dallas at six. I have the Clippers at five and Mini at six. So we do have the same top six. Oh, no, we don't have the same top six teams in the, the West. You have the Pelicans at eight. You have Memphis at seven, the Pelicans at eight, the Lakers at nine, the Blazers at 10. I have Dallas at seven, Memphis at eight, Sacktown at nine, and the Lakers at 10. Um, you have the Kings outside of the play-in, which is very interesting to me. I have Portland outside of the play. And so that's just where we differ. And then we have Utah. I have Utah at 12, OKC at 13, Houston at 14, San Antonio at 15. You have OKC at 15, Houston at 14, Utah at 13, and the Spurs at 12. So not a ton of huge differences there. Grant remains wildly high on Minnesota. We hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. If it's your first time checking us out, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, like, and comment to make the algorithm love us back. Subscribe to us on your podcast players. If that's where you're at and you haven't done so already, help us promote the community. Tell friends, family members, acquaintances, anyone who, you know, likes really bad basketball takes about us um, and that they can come over and subscribe. Follow us on the socials links in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Join our discord. The link is in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Follow Grant on Twitter for his, uh, what is Are we up to bi-weekly now? tweeting do you think well, i don't know what's going to happen going forward i just know i tweeted today so you know if something happens tomorrow he's he's so grant is either if you follow him at gt underscore hughes he's either on a torrid pace to tweet or you won't get another tweet from him for two months yeah. so, either way it's a win for you because either i don't fill up your timeline or i give you like a couple in a row and you feel really blessed the next time we talk to close it out here it will be because then you will be on so grant and he will pro- he might be on more Maybe there's weeks where he's on less, but he's agreed to be around for one episode per week, and we'll try and hash out the topics as we go. I'm excited to be podcasting with more often. I'm enjoying the look-aheads, but it's always fun to be able to bounce this stuff off a a friend who only judges me like 65% of the time Mm -hmm. rather than like 80 to 90%. Um, So we're excited, but we're going to have regular season basketball to talk about. That feels weird, right? Feels good. I've watched a lot of more preseason than I care to admit so far this year. I don't know why. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to actually see the real lineups. I'm, I'm tired of the six top six guys being DMPs later. Until next time, we do with a shout out to the one, the only Frank Nielakina. And I guess as we have to start at ad- adding, yeah, I'd, I'd like to apologize to Jared Allen. <laughs>